I'm Annie Apple, and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burrow, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app. You are listening to a Live Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Capital Calculus, the show which focuses on the intersection of politics and economics. In democracies like India, there's always a fierce contest for political power. The social capital so earned is deployed in defining government spending priorities and public policy. So it is fair to say that in a democracy, all policy is politics, and policy moves should therefore be viewed through the prism of politics. Every week, this show will explore this intersection of politics and economics to try and give you a fresh perspective on the week that was. I am your host, Anil Padmanabha. July is turning out to be a decent month for the Indian economy. To begin with, economic life is slowly reviving. Remarkable, given the unprecedented nature of the COVID-induced economic shock. Remember, we never had to shut down trains, buses, schools, offices, malls for so long. From gloom and doom, analyst notes are slowly beginning to reflect a hint of optimism. A big boost, no doubt, is the cheer from the recent inflow of $17 billion in foreign direct investments. And this from the who's who of global tech. Google, Facebook, Amazon and Microsoft. And all in the middle of a pandemic. In just a few weeks at that. Their interests suggest new economic drivers are in the making. And of course, a long-term bet on the Indian economy. Yet, as the cliche goes, one swallow does not make a summer. After all, Sectors like hospitality and aviation are struggling to stay afloat. Anecdotally, we know loads of people have been laid off. Businesses are struggling. What does one make of all this then? To understand this and more, I spoke to Rajiv Bishwas. He is the Executive Director and Asia-Pacific Chief Economist at IHS Market. As a business intelligence provider, IHS Market is a trend spotter. It therefore puts Rajiv in a vantage point. I began by asking Rajiv where the Indian economy was indeed seeing a rebound. Well, IHS market do surveys uh, of most of the major countries around the world. It's a monthly survey of manufacturing and also the services sector. So every month we interview thousands of companies all around the world to get their views about the outlook for output, for employment, for orders and so on. And so we we get very regular and in-depth feedback from industry in India as part of that survey about the outlook and what is actually happening month by month. And what we saw already in May and then again in June is quite a substantial improvement, particularly in the month of June. There was a very big uh, rebound in the manufacturing sector in particular in terms of activity levels. So this is very concrete evidence that we have from the companies themselves um, showing that recovery is um, 
already happening in terms of actual manufacturing output. The rebound in manufacturing is pretty visible anecdotally. But services rebound in your data seems a little counterintuitive given that hospitality, aviation are in serious doldrums right now. So is this uh, consistent, I mean, the picture with the anecdotal evidence? The services sector is, of course, very disparate. So there's many different uh, parts of the services industry. So the sectors that are showing the better rebound is areas like communication services. You know, digital communications is one of the big winners out of the pandemic because the demand for digital uh, transactions, for mobile communications is obviously increasing rapidly because of the pandemic. And then financial services also has uh, improved relatively quick. And then, of course, essential um, services for commercial transactions and so on have also um, seen improvement. Uh, as you rightly point out, the sectors such as um, hospitality and transport are the lagging sectors where it's still going to take a long time, particularly tourism. Uh, there's obviously no international tourism in India right now, and also domestic tourism is pretty much also you know, at, at a very low level. So there's, I think, a lot of further time needed before those sectors will recover. So I think what we're going to see is a staggered recovery. Do you have any forecast for the full year? Yes, for the financial year uh, that we're currently in, in 2020-21, we expect that the Indian economy will contract in a deep recession uh, with the GDP of India contracting by 6.3%. So what is the medium-term prospect for the Indian economy, uh, an average growth trajectory as it were? I think when we look at India over the medium term outlook of the next five years, you know, beyond the pandemic, then we would expect that India will revert to a more normal growth path, more similar to what it was like prior to the pandemic. And uh, that would put Indian growth in the order of around 6% per year over the medium term outlook um, for the 2022 period onwards for the next five years, on average. Rajiv makes it clear that a recovery is in the making. More importantly, the medium-term outlook is good. But we also know such massive economic shocks always leave their permanent mark. At the least, it will force a rejig in the economy. Exactly what the RBI Governor Shaktikanta Das hinted in early July. He was addressing the annual SBI conclave. Possibly in a vastly different uh, post-COVID environment, reallocation of factors of production within the economy and innovative ways of expanding economic activity could lead to some rebalancing and emergence of new growth drivers. What could be these new economic drivers? If you ask me, India's digital transformation seems to be one. Yes, it does not have the heft of manufacturing, but it has the power to be a catalyst a force multiplier. The COVID pandemic has advanced this cycle of change. It is not just about e-commerce. The country's IT backbone has come in good use during the pandemic. It has been used to directly transfer social benefits to those at the bottom of the pyramid. I asked Rajiv if he concurred. India in particular, I think, is 
a beneficiary in many ways from this digital transformation. Firstly, because India's a vast consumer market, which had relatively low internet penetration, relatively low uh, online banking, and also in terms of smartphone technology, and not as well penetrated as many other um, industrial economies. So that's what makes India very exciting for big technology multinationals, because they can see that with the rollout of 4G, 5G networks in India, it's going to give access to hundreds of millions more consumers in India, access to the internet, access to smartphones, and that enables them to do digital banking, to do e-commerce. So that is why the big players in technology like Google, Amazon, are now rushing into the India market. Seen another way, implicitly this burst of FDI is actually a vote in the potential of the Indian economy. Also a bellwether of shifting global trade winds. The West has fallen out of love with China, triggering a structural reset in geopolitics. Will China's loss be India's gain? I think there's been a huge change in the last few weeks actually with the, the momentum of new announcements, particularly the landmark announcement by Google that they would invest $10 billion into India, which was made in middle of July, uh, and also a couple of other major announcements by global tech companies in July. Um, so I think July has been a turning point in terms of the global confidence coming through that major companies in technology uh, still have a long-term vision very much focused on India. I think when you see someone like Google, Amazon, Facebook investing billions and billions of dollars in India in the midst of a severe recession, then you know they're the smartest boys on the block. So if they're doing it, you better jump in after them. It's my suggestion because they obviously look very, very carefully at when they make such huge investments. And they obviously see a very strong long-term future in India um, for their own business development. Several things are becoming clear. One, a rebound in the economy is in the making. Nascent, not sufficient, yet a good start. Second, the Indian economy still holds challenges, yet it is a good medium-term prospect. The global tech majors just endorse this view. Finally, it is clear that India can no longer put off the long-overdue mindset reset. The global biggies joining the high table, the chalta hai attitude may just have run its course. To sum up, the India story is looking at yet another jump start. Hopefully this time, it is not another false start. That's all for today. Thank you for listening. You can reach me on Twitter at Capital Calculus or on Facebook and Instagram at HT Smartcast. I'll be back next week with a new episode of Capital Calculus. Till then, stay safe. This was a Live Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast. I'm Annie Apple, and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. 
from Joe Burrow, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app.